This episode of Dense in the Darkness was recorded pre-COVID-19. Therefore, the Northeast Leadership Summit mentioned in the episode had to be rescheduled for Saturday, April 17, 2021. Matthew Hoskinson, our guest in this episode, will still be speaking for next year's Northeast Leadership Summit. For information on the summit, go to our website, northeastcollaborative.com. Welcome to Dense in the Darkness, the monthly podcast of the Northeast Collaborative. We're a new church network that empowers pastors to lead and launch healthy churches in Northeast America. I'm Tim Madeira, General Manager of WRGN. And I'm Dan Nichols, Executive Director of the Northeast Collaborative. We're glad you're with us because this month we have Dr. Matthew Hoskinson's with us. Dan, tell us a little bit about why you wanted Matthew to join us on Dense in the Darkness today. Absolutely. I got to meet Matthew years ago when he spoke for our church planters network retreat from a former ministry called Project Jerusalem. And our church plant, Restored Church, was a Project Jerusalem church. And so we were there at that retreat. Matthew uh, was and is a phenomenal speaker, uh, but he's also a fantastic pastor with lots of experience. And a little over a year ago, uh, Matthew reached out to me and let me know that uh, he's serving pastors as a certified coach with Redeemer City to City, which is Tim Keller's ministry. Mm -hmm. And when I heard that, I got so excited because I wanted to recruit him as an official coaching partner for NEC. uh, And we've been able to do that. So that's really cool. And Matthew will also be speaking for our Northeast Leadership Summit, hashtag NLS20, (laughs) coming up on Saturday, May 9th. And we've gotten to know each other a lot more over the last year and gotten to know each other better. And it's just, he's such an encouraging voice, uh, especially as NEC has gotten off the ground. There's just so many reasons why I am stoked to have Dr. Matthew Hoskinson here with us today. Oh, that is great. Well, Matthew, I want you to introduce yourself to everyone and give a couple of minutes overview of your family, your story, uh, why you do what you do. Sure. I I am uh, originally from Detroit, Michigan, Mm -hmm. uh, the biracial son of blue-collar parents. Uh, I'm still a fan of all things Detroit in spite of... uh, the sadness of Detroit sports these days. Uh, and that includes, of course, uh, the Michigan Wolverines. Oh, uh, my gosh. Which, which oh, Dan and me on different sides uh, oh. every November. Pr- oh. Pretty much I'm on the downside and he's on the upside. Yes, yeah. that is we're, right. Dan is an Ohio State fan, for those who don't know. Of course, I'm a Penn State fan, so we're all three in the <laughs> same division. Going different, on here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah, but I've been in New York since 2010. Uh, I came to serve as pastor for the First Baptist Church on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Uh, Before that, I served on staff of Heritage Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina, where I was, first of all, I did my church planting internship while I was doing my uh, PhD. Uh, Through that internship, I realized I am not a church planter. My (laughs) gifting does not fit there. Uh, So I went on staff first as youth pastor and then as executive pastor. Uh, Overall, my wife and I were there 10 years before we moved to New York. And uh, I was at First Baptist for eight years. And most recently, I served at 
Mosaic Church, a church plant in Sunnyside, Queens, as its executive pastor. And it looks like uh, I will be starting working full-time with Redeemer City of the City uh, next month. Awesome. All right. so, very excited about the prospect of continuing to help church planters there. Uh, as I mentioned, I am married. My wife is from the corn country of Illinois to throw another Big Ten team wow, in the mix here. Man. <laughs> and uh, we have five children, four girls and a boy, ranging in age from 16 to 7. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's uh, a little bit about me. Now, you've had a lot of involvement in a lot of different ministries. And, of course, NEC is about helping churches to lead and launch and grow, churches that have been established, but also new churches. Seems like your breadth of experience is pretty broad there. What are some of the struggles that you've had in ministry that have brought you to the point where you are now? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll start with... Uh, that experience at First Baptist in so many ways was amazing. We just saw God work, saw the Spirit move. It was an aging congregation when I arrived. Average age was probably about 65, 60 to 65. Uh, there were probably about 60 active members in the church. And honestly, they communicated to me, they were concerned that they were going to die mm. out. Like the church is going to die because the congregation is going to die. Mm. Um, and so I was 33 when I became pastor. So I was young enough to be the, the son or grandson or great grandson of members <laughs> of that church. <laughs> and mentors of mine just encouraged me to go very slowly. So uh, I tried to walk through change as slowly as I could, which probably still felt fast for the members there. But over time, God blessed, and the church grew and got younger and giving increased. But it took a real toll on my own heart, my own life. Uh, and there came a point where I realized, and, and I kind of went into it thinking, I want to pastor here the rest of my life. I have nothing else I really want to do, nowhere else I really want to go. Um, but I came to a point where I realized that I had led the church as far as I could, uh, partly because I had sort of uh, spent as much pastoral capital as I could mm -hmm. in making changes, but also because I needed to learn some things and I needed some serious reflection and growth uh, to take a halftime, if you will. Um, like I'd played the first half of the game, uh, to use Bob Buford's language, and I needed the mm -hmm. halftime to reflect on my story. And uh, and that's what really what the last um, year and a half, two years have been for me. Uh, but then, like, in the middle of that, I had this experience of helping a church plant launch in Queens, and it was, like, the opposite struggles. Like, if on the one hand, like... You had to go slow. <laughs> right. Over there, it's like, goodness, it's Wednesday. What are we going to do Sunday? And I'm like, what? Everything's <laughs> at warp speed in that situation, right? Exactly, exactly. But I think that that experience, like, I've been on the sort of the the supply chain side of helping church planters from Heritage, like we, we sent out a dozen church planters over the decade I was there. Awesome. And I was involved in a number of those on the supply line side. But to be on the front line was just a completely different experience and really helped flesh out my own experience in serving church planters as a coach. Mm. Now, as you look at what you've been through, how did God grow you through that? Mm. Yeah, uh, he he took me to places I really didn't want to go. Mm. 
um, areas of my life that I thought, well, if I just keep those things buried and just keep moving forward, I won't have to think or deal with them. Mm. Um, but, but to quote Andy Minio, when you, if you bury your emotions, you bury them alive. Mm. They'll only come back stronger somewhere later in your life. Right. And I found that to be true for me, that there are things that I just buried and didn't want to deal with. And yet those are the places of healing that I needed in order to be an effective pastor, leader, and coach. And so, I mean, it was, it, it was and is excruciating for God to kind of pull back uh, some of the traumas in my life, some, some of the challenges in my life, uh, some of my own insecurities and vulnerabilities, and really to go down there and identify, like, what are the idols that I'm worshiping? Uh, what are the things that I justify in the name of ministry? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just been deeply, deeply um, challenging and sanctifying uh, and joyful all at the same time. Mm. Uh, I, I've often felt like Eustace at the end of Don Treader uh, when <laughs> Aslan is peeling the scales off of him. And, right? and he yep. says, you know, it's the hardest thing he's been through, but boy, it felt so good. Yeah. Um, that, that's what this experience has been for me. Uh, little Chronicles of Narnia reference there. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, now, as you look at that, obviously you are uh, partway on the other side of this, and you're seeing this as as a good thing, as a victory. Absolutely. So how do you share that victory with others as you ministry coach some of the pastors that you work with? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think as a coach – one of the reasons I find coaching so valuable is that as a third party outside voice looking in on a situation, I have specific areas that I'm listening for and trying to evaluate. Uh, certainly I'm looking at at the the leader's spiritual life. like where are they? what's going on there? But I'm also looking at the leader's personal life. so, uh, how are things with his marriage? How are things with his kids? Are Does it sound like there's tension in the marriage? And if so, then I want to ask and kind of go that route, route. Even if this church plant is like, well, vision, you know, big, go, yeah, go. Right, like, right. I know that that piece can cause the whole thing to fall apart. Then there's then 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 there's the relational side. Like, how are you dealing with your relationships with your board or with uh, people you're raising funds from or... Uh, with other pastors in the area. So there's that aspect. And then there's, of course, the missional aspect, which is like, how are you looking at the field and not just trying to get to sustainability, but truly to be uh, part of a, a dis- you know, disciples, a movement where disciples are making disciples and churches mm-hmm. are making churches. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of these things, like I've seen in my own life. And so I bring that to uh, the conversation. And if I'm hearing little yellow flags, I start asking questions, open-ended questions. I don't want to read my story into other people's story, but it raises my own awareness of challenges in any of those areas. Now, even the the use of the phrase coaching brings with it that sports analogy. And I think a lot of times pastors maybe hesitate about the idea of a coach, uh, a you know, for a pastor. And yet most of us, the pastors I know, very, you know, passionate about the sports and they know that there's a coach on the sidelines that's giving instruction, that's giving direction. And you talked about being able to see the whole field. How do you get pastors to accept that coaching role? 
I think I think for a lot of us as pastors, uh, it, it it takes getting stuck <laughs> to recognize we need <laughs> to coach. That's true. Um, a losing because, season. Right. <laughs> it, it it takes running into a situation, and, and you know I don't know that every pastor needs a coach all the time. Mm. Um, but I, I, there are those times where we need an outside experienced voice who can help us, who can ask us questions. And, and, and like, I, I differentiate coaching from consulting. So I, I'm yeah. not coming in with like, ooh, I've got 12 ideas to fix your budget, or I've got five ideas to grow your attendance. Mm. Uh, my role is really to help get a leader unstuck. Mm. <laughs> like... I, I believe that the spirit has gifted that person, place them in that position of leadership. They're the pastor. I'm not the pastor of that church. So I'm relying on the spirit's work in them, but they're at this juncture where they can't see their way forward. And with some good conversations, some thoughtful questions, what I'm really hoping for is that light bulb moment where they go, oh, oh, I know what I need to do. Mm. And that's really what I'm aiming for in these conversations. Now, as you as you talk about these conversations, maybe there's a pastor that's listening. He's never been coached on anything like this. Mm. And you mentioned some of these questions that you asked, these open-ended probing questions what would be a for example for someone who's never experienced this and they're like, you know, I just I'm a little afraid of getting yeah. into the whole coaching thing. Right. Yeah. Uh I mean, so many of these just kind of come up organically. Okay. So uh so it's hard to it's hard to just like come up with one w- without a specific situation. <laughs> well uh but l- l- let me let me l- one question. This this is this is a little bit of a canned question, but it's amazing how often this question has has like opened up uh, a pastor's thinking, mm-hmm. um, I'll ask, as they're d- detailing a situation, one of the questions I, I will often ask is, how does culture affect this situation? Either the culture of like your neighborhood, of your, your community, the city you live in, or the culture of the church and that can that's one of those questions that we have we often talk about culture and it's this kind of big hairy thing out there mm-hmm. but a lot of times there are things in the internal culture of a church that make a pastor either reluctant to deal with something or overly quick to deal with something and yet we don't acknowledge the specific factors that might be involved with the culture of a local congregation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for example when i was talking about first baptist certainly in those early days part of the culture was you had people who were members of the church, in some cases, for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Mm-hmm. There's a member of the church at First Baptist. She's still living. She was converted in the 1957 Billy Graham crusade. Wow. wow. And the Billy Graham Association sent her to First Baptist, and she's been a member there since then, and she's now over 100. That's awesome. So, so when you talk about the culture, you're talking about people who have been together for 40 years yeah. through some mm. really hard times. There are specific factors there that influence decision-making now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one of the things that I got to go through was a, a coaching certification that was very different than Redeemer City to City, but it was through Gateway Leadership. And in that training, it was phenomenal training, and I started to use this one question uh, with churches and pastors that I started contracting with to serve uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, what questions are you asking? And, of yourself and or of others? Well, for a pastor, for a leader, 
uh, it could be either. Okay. And and yeah. I just leave it open ended. And what what you just did right there is a perfect example of like. I want to just prime that pump and try to get them to think beyond just reaction, Mm. but try to think beyond just, I'm just handling what comes at me. And that question, what questions are you asking now Mm -hmm. in this season, in the situation, in whatever, I have found that has done so much for leaders just to even go, wow, either A, I'm not asking questions, right? (laughs) What questions should Should I I be be asking? asking, Or... What I found is sometimes leaders are, they know exactly what the questions are, but they haven't really articulated them. They haven't really verbalized them. So that may be one example to your question. Mm. That's something that I've used before. And I think Matt's is a great example as well. Yeah. No, that's, that's great, Dan. I, I, the, one of the ways that I'll articulate it, and of course, this is not original, is like, you know, what are the three big rocks you're dealing with right now? Mm. Um, like, what, what are the things you just can't see past, can't see around? Uh, but questions like that, like w- one of the, and, and this, the, the question, I'm going to have to write that down, Dan, because that's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the real gift that a coach gives to a leader is the gift of space. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm offering space to process yes. and the space is safe. Because I'm not voting on your salary. Right. <laughs> I, I'm not making a recommendation to fellow leaders. I, I am I am an outside voice. So I'm offering a safe space. But then I, I'm offering space to think. And, and really the gift, and I heard it, Dan, when you asked that question, you know, what questions are you asking yourself right now? What questions are you asking right now? There is this pause in, in the conversation of the three of us, mm-hmm. right? That pause is the gift, because we do get so busy just racing from one thing to the next, one ministry to the next, one, got to disciple this guy, got to save that marriage, got to preach on yep. Sunday, got to take care of my kids. And we don't have just a space for a silence. And so some of the best moments in a coaching call that, that, that I'll do are when nobody's talking, but we're just processing and I'm, I'm giving the gift of silence to a pastor. Mm. So needed. It's something that's a challenge for pastors too, because they don't have uh, number one, the time, as you mentioned, all the different things that a pastor is doing, but number two, they don't have the second thing you mentioned, which is that safe place. Uh, Cause you, yeah, you can talk to other pastors in ministry in your area, but they're in ministry in your area. And a lot of times that isn't safe, let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. A lot of times those True. relationships are not really healthy, and sometimes they can get in a weird place where they might be competitive or there's jealousies, there's insecurities. And so sometimes those spaces... Now, hopefully, if if a church and a leader is getting healthier, those relationships will get healthier and there right. will be that attitude of, hey, we're on the same team, we're trying right. to help each other. But an outside voice, someone like Matthew, to come alongside, it's so valuable. Mm. And I remember when, when we were going through the training uh, with Gateway, one of the guy who was doing the training, he goes, listen, guys, he's like, one of the ways you'll know that the coaching is being effective is when the leader that you're serving responds with, wow, that's a great question. Mm. And they take that time, that space to really start to process. And because almost all of the questions that most ministry leaders get, I mean, Matthew knows this, I know this, you know this. It, it's it's all about what are you going to do for me? Mm. Right. <laughs> and as a coach, we get to ask, 
questions that are about them. It's right. about the leader owning stuff for themselves and finding solutions, finding uh, even things that they may not may not be on the radar yet to move forward and get healthier and be more effective for the Lord. Mm. Mm. And now, see, it's in, it's in those moments uh, when when they say that that a couple of things happen, right? When they, when they say, "Wow, that's a great question." One thing that happens is I get chills because I'm like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. uh, but the, the second thing that happens is this is where the leader who is stuck starts to see light. Yes. And it, it's in that space that the Holy Spirit shows up because my, my, you know, I'm not the answer for anyone. Right. Mm-hmm. But what I want to do is I want to get them to where they're hearing God's voice in the midst of their stuckness. Mm-hmm. And a question that makes a pastor go, wow, that's a good question, starts to open that crack. And then I just start praying, okay, spirit of God, like take him where you want him to go, right. which a lot of times is different where I would consult him to go. Like mm-hmm. I might be thinking, oh, your solution is X, Y, Z, and he starts going to A, B, C, and that's where I just have to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> and you need and you need different people for different times. I think uh, with NEC, like we are bringing some fantastic consultants mm-hmm. who are, uh, and uh, one of the episodes that we've recorded is with Matt Swoboda, who mm-hmm. is a phenomenal consultant, and he Absolutely. is really good, and the answers that he gives are going to help. Yeah. Coaching is different, though, because it's more about letting the spirit lead the leader where the, the Lord wants them to go. There was an interesting, uh, as you were talking about Matt and his conversation, I, I noticed his passion for the church. And as I'm hearing you talk, Matthew, uh, you have a passion, I think, for the pastor, the leader, the shepherd. Mm. Why is that? Yeah, I think that's just, that 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 is how I've been wired. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's probably in part because of some of the wounds that I carry and mm-hmm. that Jesus is healing me uh, through. Um, but I, I, I've just, I've always had a heart for pastors. And having served in a variety of different roles, uh, in a variety of different churches, in a variety of different contexts, the challenges that face a pastor are enormous. Mm-hmm. And we we make a mistake when we think, Seminary is sufficient to prepare us for ministry. Yes, yes. Seminary is a piece, but my goodness, there's so much more that goes into it than just being able to exegete a passage and then preach it on Sunday. Now, that's a very so important true. piece. My PhD is in theology. I believe in the stuff. I believe in the importance of it, but I had no clue what more I needed beyond just a heart for God and an ability to read Hebrew, right? Yeah. yeah. Um to be able to relate to people, care for people, carry their burdens, know how to care for my wife while carrying burdens, mm. um, know how to receive ministry when I'm the minister. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are these are challenging things, um, and because of like the transience of our world, and I'm in this area and I'm in that area, we don't have some of those long-standing apprentice-mentor kind of relationships mm-hmm. that might have been more common 200 years ago or 150 right. years ago. Um, so yeah, I mean, I. I I, I coach I coach to the project, but I pastor the leader. I love uh, it. 
I love it. I, you know, the challenge, it's, and it's been an age-old challenge. My dad said uh, he was a pastor, and, and he said one of the challenges he faced is that there were things that he didn't learn in seminary. I think seminaries are doing better yes. now oh, yes. than they used to uh, with internships and things like that. But at the same time, there are things that we can only learn once we've actually gotten into it. It's theoretical in seminary. It's real when you get out there and the rubber hits the road. And then we need someone to walk through that with us. I think about this with premarital counseling. People do premarital counseling. I think we need postmarital counseling. Yeah, even you more know, than pre. Yeah, now we've hit a year long in our, our relationship. How do we work through these things that theoretically we learned, but now we need to really put it into practice? And that's what you help to do as a coach. Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, we are so excited, Matthew, to have you as uh, our kickoff speaker for the Northeast Leadership Summit. And I was just wondering, could you give us a little preview? You don't have to do the whole session on this episode. <laughs> uh, and, and it's still, uh, you know, we're, we're going to we're excited to hear you uh, and, and have our leaders and the disciples that we're developing and their next steps of effectiveness come and interact with their teams uh, on this day, May 9th. We're so excited about it. Give us a little preview. Give us a little teaser about uh, your session, A Theology of Change. What are you going to be talking about? Yes, uh, I, I am thrilled. I'm honored by the invitation. I can't wait to get there. Uh, and I'm really excited about the topic. Dan, when you approached me about it, I was, I, I really kind of went, where am I going to go with this? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> A Theology of Change. Holy cow. Um, but as as I consider like the landscape for pastors and churches, there are like two I, there are two general responses to change. One is that uh, is the response of fear. Mm-hmm. Like we don't want anything to change. We know what we know. We like the dysfunction we're in, mm-hmm. and the dysfunction we're in is better than the dysfunction we don't know about. <laughs> So That's so we're true. Just gonna stay in this cocoon of fear, right? That's so but then true. On the other hand, there's this approach to change that is like enthusiastic adoption. Like we're we we're just going to change. Mm. And what we what 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 I want to do with this session, and I'm looking forward to. I, I really want to take us through a biblical theology of change. Like what what does the scripture say about change, especially starting with this bedrock truth that every Christian agrees with, which is God is immutable. Right. God doesn't change. Mm -hmm. And yet he created a world that was changing before the fall. Mm -hmm. Because Adam and Eve were told, tend this garden. Why do they have to tend it? Well, because it's going to grow into disorder. Mm -hmm. And so the human responsibility to the creation in that moment was tend the garden make changes so that it flourishes. So here's this unchanging God who has created a changing world on purpose, and then the element of sin gets added in, which adds more and different and bad kinds of change. Mm-hmm. So from there, I want to look at what God is doing uh, through change and how that begins to set us up in our ministries to be able to navigate change without just enthusiastic, unthinking adoption on the one hand, but also confronting the fear on the other. Mm. 
Oh, that sounds great. Oh, man. I, I'm just getting excited because I get to be there <laughs> and hear this session. And uh, we also have David Whiting, who will be speaking, nine other breakout speakers. Yeah. So there's there's many speakers who will be speaking. But really, the design of the day is that teams, uh, ministry teams from churches, are going to get three Talk It Overtimes. So after, Matthew, you go through this uh, your team, if you bring this t- this team, the, the key leaders, people you're discipling, you bring them, you're going to get 45 minutes right after Matthew speaks to process it and contextualize it together. It's almost what you were talking about, Matthew, is giving them the space uh, to, to breathe and ask those questions uh, of each other, of your team. And I think that is such a good model. It really is. Yes. Yeah, because if we're Absolutely. not interacting, I mean, the truth is content, I mean, we could have you... Uh, you know, do a video and we could play a video and that's, you know, we've got YouTube, we've got content sure. everywhere. Yeah. What we don't have is space to drill down and contextualize and go, okay, in our church, in our town, in our neighborhood, how in my family, mm-hmm. how does this look with brothers and sisters that you're already doing life with, that you're serving with in your context? And so this is th- this day is not an end all, right. right? This is a launching pad for more, and we just hope that leaders and churches will take advantage of this opportunity to develop disciples in their next steps of effectiveness for Jesus. Yeah, and all the information for this is going to be in the show notes. Absolutely. If you want to register for it. Uh, Matthew, I just so enjoyed talking to you, hearing your heart for pastors. How can we pray for you? Yes, uh, well, I appreciate that. Certainly pray uh, just for the continued work of the Spirit in my own heart, Mm -hmm. uh, continued openness to follow where He leads, uh, and not just like vocationally and directionally, but when He leads into some of these dark corners of my own heart Mm. that I would follow and let Him expose healing light um, there. Um, pray that I'd be a, a, an increasingly effective coach. I go through my, you know, biannual recertification in February. Uh, so I would appreciate your prayers that, uh, I would pick up things that I've lost, mm. uh, to be a more effective coach and pray for the pastors and church planters that I coach that their ministries would be fruitful for the glory of God. Mm. Awesome. Amen. Well, speaking of pastors, how can pastors connect with you? What's the best place? Sure. Uh, my website is matthewhoskinson.com. Uh, you can uh, see how that's spelled on the podcast page okay. at Northeast Collaborative. Uh, you can also find my coaching page uh, on Facebook and on Twitter at Rev Dr. Matthew. That's, that would be me. Uh, that's just dedicated <laughs> to coaching. Uh, you can also, like I, I, I do initial conversations with leaders. Uh, you can book a time by going to matthewhoskinson.youcanbook.me. Oh, okay. Matthewhoskinson at youcanbookme, uh, and find a time that works for you that will uh, set off a conversation. We do not have to have met in person for you to request a booking, and like I say, uh, that initial conversation is completely free. Oh, that's great. Well, we'll put all of that information in the show notes, including some of the books we talked about, uh, yeah. including Prince Caspian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're going to throw in 
the Chronicles of Narnia <laughs> into right. this episode and in the show notes. <laughs> and uh, Matthew, when you talked about cost, I mean, just really briefly, one of the cool things about the partnership is that Matthew is offering uh, a, a discount uh, on uh, the, for NEC membership. So okay. for NEC membership uh, churches and pastors, uh, he's being really generous with that. And that's just something that is so valuable. Thank you, Matthew, for your partnership, for being part of NLS 20. And man, we are just so excited about what God's doing in your life and the fact that we get to team up together. Um, me too. It's, it's my honor and delight. Well, you've been listening to Dense in the Darkness, the monthly podcast of the Northeast Collaborative, a new church network that empowers leaders to lead and launch healthy churches in Northeast America.